Welcome to the Faith Life Podcast. I'm Seth, and this is where we take biblical and cultural questions and look at them through the lens of Scripture. And today I have with me Adam Waller. Adam Waller is one of our missionaries, he and his wife, to London. And Adam is stationed right in central London at Grace Life London. He's been over there seven years. So let me welcome Adam to the podcast. Adam, welcome. Great to have you, man. Thank you, Seth. It's good to be here. We are... uh... Just thankful to be able to be here this past Sunday with the church and to worship with you guys and to be uh, with family for Thanksgiving and to um, do what people do, eat turkey and stuff ourselves. Yeah, I'm excited about the eating myself uh, starting tomorrow and all the way through the weekend, Lord willing. And I'm really excited to have you speak uh, for Sunday, both services at 830 and 1045. Well, Adam, I, I want to touch base with you on just you sharing about some of the things about your ministry there. As I said earlier, you've been there seven years at Grace Life. Uh, you graduated from Masters with John MacArthur and then went overseas there and has been ministering ever since. And you guys are really, I would say you're like us. Uh, we feel like we've been catching traction over the last year, getting past the COVID thing. And so I kind of want to spring and start there with how did COVID affect your church uh, in London, maybe some of the challenges that came with with it, and then also some of the opportunities or that God presented, kind of the same thing here at Faith, where we started with some challenges, but at the end of COVID, we saw that we grew both spiritually and numerically, I think, through it, and uh, God is blessing coming out of that phase, but what about you guys at Grace Life? Yeah, it was a challenging time for us like it was for other churches. the lockdowns there were quite uh, strict, hmm. so they gave us an hour, um, an hour outside for exercise, and then any other time outside need to be to go get food or medicine and then go home. So that was pretty difficult um, for everyone, just for things to be that tight, um, and you could, you know, you could you could see that impact uh, on people to be in their homes, um, having people who were. Uh, by themselves, not living with family, not living with other people, not being in contact with people on a daily basis. And obviously when COVID started, it was very, uh, no one one knew what was happening. Mm. And so, what was it? Uh, It began March of 2020, and they locked uh, kind of the country down till I think the end of June, beginning of July of 2020. And so we... um, as a church, we didn't know what was happening. We just felt for the protection of our people, like everyone else. Okay, right. lockdown, and let's wait and see what was happening. But during that lockdown, um, obviously the uh, Derek Chauvin, um, George Floyd incident in Minneapolis, Minneapolis yeah. um, happened in um, Minnesota, and that kind of gave um, life to Black Lives Matter. That it already started, but it was going further and. We were trying to help people understand that in a time when we couldn't be with them and, and, and really sit down with them and talk about it. So that had its challenges. Um, like I said, people being home by themselves and just the, the difficulties of that with um, maybe depression and just feeling alone. And as pastors, we tried to say, okay, here's our congregation. 
okay, let's start at a different place and let's just contact people each week. Okay, try and contact so many people a day or a week. And uh, we tried to do that and just keep up with people. Um, but that was challenging in itself. So you, y'all implemented the Zoom, uh, did the same thing similar to us, making those phone calls every uh, every day that you had, try to make as much contact you can, but it's not a substitute. How long did y'all actually have to go without meeting in person? So we went from the end of March until I think the beginning of July, and during that time we, you know, we started seeing things where we were like, okay, things are not adding up. They're allowing certain things, but they're not allowing other things. And so during that time, we kind of said, look, if if they, um, when, we, when we open back up, as an elder board, we were just convinced, okay, we're just going to stay open. Unless they give us, unless we see bodies thrown out in the street, we're just going to stay open. And that would be without the blessing of the government, right? You were, it the, was. The, government, the government still mandating shutdowns for you guys, but you began to still meet. Is that correct? Well, was this outside or inside that you when you started meeting? So when we first start, when we first started meeting, it was when the government had said, "Okay, everything is opening up," and so we we decided, "Okay, we're going to open up." Okay. So at that time, everything was good, but we just said, "Unless we're not going to do this again," because we saw the impact on our people and sure. they felt it. We were hearing about it, and um, so we just said, "Look, unless we have a good reason to do that again, we're just not going to do it again." So November came and or close to November, and they said, we're going to go into lockdown again. Mm. And we talked as pastors and just said, we are not going to do it. <laughs> we're just not going to do it. And so the issues I won't get into with the building, um, we just couldn't meet in the building, so we met around the corner from the building outside. And that was interesting. It was outside. Um, obviously, people can see us. And we didn't do it. To, we never had the thought of, hey, we're going to, Put it to the government. This wasn't about, oh, we're going to show them they don't control us. It wasn't an area of, hey, let's be defiant to be defiant. This is one of those things where we've got to obey God rather than men. And exactly. this is for the spiritual well-being of the body of Christ and for the church to meet, for the glory of God, to have yeah. the word of God go forth. And so I, I get what you're saying in some of this. It wasn't an act of just to show the government, we, we don't have to obey you. It was, hey, this is for the spiritual well-being of our congregation. And not only that, for yourselves in, in, in that as well. Exactly, exactly. We, yeah, we, you know, and I, I, don't, I don't like the mentality of let's take it to the government. Right. Uh, which some Agreed. people can have. It's like, look, we submit to government. And, and they have an important role to place to play. Um, no, they're not. <laughs> the government here or there is not, you know, seeking after God. But that when, you know, Paul and Peter wrote the words they wrote in the New Testament. You know, they weren't exactly. They weren't under a biblical, you know, godly government. And mm. yet the expectation is still there. So we understood that. But we still had to obey God rather than man. Um, and it made people hesitant in the church. We had people on both sides. I mean, some people felt when we... Uh, locked down the first time. Oh, you guys are just obeying the government and you guys are just becoming a state church. And then other people felt, oh no, why didn't, you know, you need to stay locked down. And we just couldn't, we couldn't please everybody and we didn't try to please anybody. We just tried to honor the Lord. That's all we could do was pray, search the scriptures and do what was we believed was right. And, and the, the interesting thing was is that other churches agreed with it. Matter of fact, a whole lot of churches agreed uh, with the reality of that November lockdown not being right or good for the church. And so a document came out, and it was basically ecumenical, ecumenical 
um, where you had Catholics and Church of England and other guys. Um, and the, the document basically said to the government, we don't agree that we should have to lock down again. Um, we don't believe this is right. We see the reason to keep stay open. We don't think we're harming our people. And they sent, and they, a lot of people signed this and they sent it, but then they locked down. And our thought was, well, you would, you would have been better off not even sending it and just opening up, <laughs> right? right? Don't say nothing and just until they come and say something to you about it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so that was our mentality of just, we're not, we're not trying to make it loud. Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this guys. And we're going to broadcast this. We said, look, church, we're going to meet. This is where we're going to be. Let's carry on. And so that's what we did. We did it outside. Um, and the first week went okay. <laughs> the second week, the police showed up. Um, you could tell each week because of where we were, there was a road. And you're in the middle of downtown London. There are millions of people that live in London. So Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in a, a pretty, yeah, a place that's going to be, people Visual. can see you from the road in, in a certain part of it. And so you can see people kind of keeping an eye on every time a police car kind of goes by. The question is, did he look over, right? Is he going to pull over this way? And so the first week went by nothing. The second week went by and a police car did pull in and the guys got out. They uh, kind of circled the group, was just looking, didn't say anything, didn't interrupt. And at the end, they were actually very kind. Um, they nice. said, look, we, we understand why you're doing this. I don't know if they're Christian or not or what their stance was, but they just said, we understand why you're doing this. Here's some things to consider. Um, maybe trying to space out a little bit, maybe have some hand sanitizer available, mask available. And we were like, sounds okay. like they were very understanding then. They were, but then after that was over and we were kind of leaving, we were walking away. Um, another pastor was walking ahead of me. I was walking um, a little behind him um, talking to some other people and stuff. And a police van uh, pulled up. Okay. And uh, at first I didn't see it, but he, um, they asked to speak to one of the people in charge. And so they looked and they saw me and they said, oh, Adam, <laughs> Adam, you know. And, so and you I pointed to the senior pastor, right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> which, which guy do you want? <laughs> but I turned around and I went back and he actually heard it and he came back as well. And uh, it was the chief constable, okay. Was, uh, you know the man, and so he gets out the van along with some other guys behind him, and he says essentially disregard what those other guys said, don't do this again. And if you do, we're gonna have to convince you not to. And we said, oh, okay, thank you, and left it there. And then we were walking away, saying, I think we're gonna see him again next week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were just saying, look, we are, we're not gonna stop meeting. Uh, so we just have to let him do whatever he has to do. And they, they basically had it where they could have charged us. Those who organize an event, they could charge you 10,000 pounds okay. each time. And those who attend an event, they could charge you starting at 200, and then it doubled every time you did it. And now, you know, was your church ever fined? They were never fined. Wow. Um, okay. And so I don't know what was behind that because they never pushed it further. We We were... After that one to that second week, we thought, okay, well, here it comes. And all that, you just have to say, that's what they do. That's what they do. Sure. Lord, you, you, this, it's all yours. Um, so, but anyway, with all that, we went the four weeks. Um, and that was the only kind of 
incident that happened. Um, then we go back inside and carried on. Um, so you've been able to progress since then. Just keep progressing since. Prog- then. Yeah, just carried on with preaching and uh, caring for the church. But interestingly, uh, and I think I shared this with the, if I I can't remember, um, that we had a lady. Um, we had a few different things happen. One is that a, <laughs> a couple met. They got married. They met outside at the service, and then they, I guess that progressed. They ended up getting married, and that was, that's pretty neat to hear about. But there was another lady who um, wouldn't go to an, a, uh, a service, wouldn't go inside a church. She was kind of a superstitious thing. I'll never go inside a church. And um, through a, uh, some divine providence, um, her mom ends up being saved during COVID wow. and her mom is trying to get her to go to church and so they hear about our, our outside service mm. okay you won't go in a service go in a church well will you go to this church that's meeting outside and the woman said yes I'll go and so she attends the service uh, outside and they kept coming each week her and her mom and um, eventually the woman was saved wow right and so you hear those kind of things and you say, the Lord was at work in those times, you know? And we heard about other people, there are other people that came to the church during lockdown or after lockdown who were either saved during uh, lockdown because they just somehow got, you know, listened to somebody on YouTube or whatever, another found out about a church or whatever and started listening to biblical preaching. Others who started to realize Oh, the preaching in the church I'm in is not all that biblical. <laughs> not sound, so they, right? They got they transitioned, and we praise God for all of that. I mean, in our minds, we're thinking, "Oh, how are we going to get the gospel out?" God had it all under control from the beginning. And I think one of the great things is is that I believe that Christians in solid, sound Bible teaching ministries, a lot of a lot of them tried to lead during this, not just be passively behind, but as followers of Christ. We believe to to live as Christ to die is gain. It's not to live in Christ to die is gain unless it's COVID. You yeah. know, we we can't put all these other things at the same time. Understanding that uh, COVID was real, we've all lost some people that we loved and and saw yeah. some people get greatly sick. I know your own parents were hospitalized, and uh, while you were overseas and and they were here, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, to be trying to do things uh, responsibly. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to violate anybody else's conscience, but we wanted to obey God. We wanted to continue to declare the whole counsel of the Word of God, continue to minister, continue to reach people with the gospel, continue to support missions. And even for missionaries, there's a secondary aspect of you're overseas, you're relying a lot, or many of the missionaries, I don't know how much you are, but many of the missionaries are relying on on support from the churches here in America. Yeah. And, and so uh, here that hampered, I remember one of our missionaries coming in and visiting with us uh, right after COVID. And he came up and he shared the story with me. He said, I had uh, opened my mail. And he said, what we did at Faith, we were able to actually increase our support of foreign missionaries during COVID. And so we said, hey, we know that some churches may not be able to. We want to go back and rehash and see if God allows us to be able to do that. And so our, our leadership team and deacon board went right off the bat and we were able to increase support of missionaries. Well, one of our missionaries comes in. He said he opened his first letter, and it was a church that was dropping him. Wow. He opened a second letter, and it was another church that had dropped him. He opened a third letter. It was our letter, 
and it was showing that our his support was increasing. Nice. He said, just begin to wept and give God praise. Mm. And so I just felt like there were opportunities that God presented during that time that were unique. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we don't have to go through it ever again. Um, yeah. It was a challenging time for pastoral staffs. It was a challenging time for churches. It's a challenging time for everybody, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, right? Yeah. And I think still we're seeing the repercussions of that, right? We're seeing the repercussions in our education systems. We're still mm-hmm. seeing a lot of churches repercussions. They say 85%, I just saw this, uh, church attendance is back to about 85% of what it was mm-hmm. pre-COVID. So wow. we still haven't come all the way back from that. Um, most churches have. Our church, I feel like, is actually surpassed where it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would want to transition in a second and, and talk about your your missionary over there. You're in downtown London. What is the spiritual climate like, I guess, in London? Uh, where And when I talk about the spiritual climate, uh, how are they toward the things of the Word of God? How are they toward maybe Scripture? What is the mindset of Christianity over there? Do you see it growing? Uh, what are some of the major, I would say, I won't even use the word religions, but what are some of the the major groups? Because uh, let's be honest, everybody's religious in some capacity, whether you're atheistic and religious. What do you see growing over there? Uh, I know that your predominant mission is to produce a sound Bible teaching ministry, a healthy flock, and to be a place where you're training and disciple people to not only understand the Word of God, but to be able to go forth and teach Absolutely. others about that. But yeah. what would you say the spiritual climate is like in London? Well, it is it's not good. Um, the churches are weak because uh, the preaching is not good. Uh, it's not, and I, I don't say that in, to condemn absolutely every church. There are there are churches out there who are uh, who are proclaiming Christ, and we're thankful for that. But at times, it, the best we can say about a church is, well, at least they are at least they're faithful to the gospel. But oftentimes, they don't go beyond that. And what I mean by beyond that is they don't give the implications of the gospel. Okay. So they'd be happy to preach Ephesians two, but you know they, you know, husbands love your wives. Right, um, children obey your parents. They won't. They won't give the everything is a gospel message, but the gospel has implications on our lives. So, so many of the even more we would say more faithful churches would be there. No, when you say implications, are you talking? So, Ephesians two: dead and trespasses and sin. For by grace through faith are you saved, not of yourselves, the gift of God. So, you're talking about they're right on the gospel and man's in the area of. A man's inability and even in uh, salvation being by grace through faith alone in Christ alone are you saying it's the the, the the breakdown is the implication of the pursuit of holiness in their lives yeah. or where, where, yeah, how would you defend it no that'd be a good way to say it that just the carrying on of okay this is how a new creature in Christ lives um, and this is the I, I say this is not this is the norm this is most churches I'm saying this is the the, the best of churches almost there that's what you would get um and so but overall this is quite liberal you know church of england is basically liberal they have a small sect that's trying to hold on for dear life and trying to in their mind they think they're you know kind of into jc Rowell vein of we're gonna we're gonna fix this not that J.C. Raw was wrong, but we're just gonna stay in it and try and reform it. I like J.C. Raw. Uh, oh, I yeah. Do, yeah, I like his stuff, and I, I appreciate it. Who wrote a book on holiness? Holiness, right? yep. that I, I love. 
Um, but they they would kind of point to him and say, well, he stayed and we are staying. And we say, yeah, that was a while ago and nothing has changed. Mm. <laughs> the, the Church of England has only become more and more liberal. Okay. Right? You have, you know, LGBT bishops and all this stuff, right? It's, you just see that that's where they're going. Uh, that's where they are. So in the Church of England, it's the prominent, I mean, it's the, ch- the state church, isn't it? So with them being the state church, I mean, that is... So let me say it this way: If you, if someone watched the Queen's funeral, um, and you, I mean, a lot of people think that the Queen actually organized what was um, the stuff they had to do in the funeral, as far as the songs that they um, that they sang and uh, the scripture that was read, uh, which was good stuff. I mean, if you right. read it, you'd be like, "Oh, this is kind of neat that these people who probably don't believe a lot of this are." in the congregation and from the front are actually having to say this. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of people out there, right? Yeah, and, and from what I read, there were billions of people who watched the funeral sure. around the world. Right, yeah. I mean, that's just the influence of uh, the British um, the British monarchy. Um, but you look at that and you say, you know, that's what it is. If, if, she, if she organized it, and I would think that she did, um, you know, if she hadn't have organized it, it wouldn't have been that way. So it's a very, I just say it to say the Church of England is very liberal. Um, I heard that over 60% of the people in London who go to church, it's maybe in the, in all of England, but I know it's in, at least in London, over 60% are from African descent. So your typical, maybe we would say, for lack of a better way to say this, white British mm-hmm. person um, wouldn't be necessarily looking to go to church and some of them it's just it's because of the the early influence of the church of england because of either what was taught which is empty and if it's empty teaching it's like well why am i going to sit here and listen to this i can be mm-hmm. I can be at the pub um you go back like even to reformational reformational times that you would kind of go back or even oh not well i'm just thinking of people who are there now okay you know like when you see older British You're talking about the people. church in the last 30 years, 40 years. Yeah, 40, okay. 50 years. Okay. It's just people who are now 50 and over or so, many of them are just not interested in going to church. And even Grace Life London, a lot of the families we have are, you know, first-generation Christian families or their their parents go to are in Pentecostalism and uh, Word of Faith stuff, prosperity stuff, and they were saved out of it. You know, they were saved. And then they're saying, okay, but their first generation, right. which is distinct from, I would say, a little bit of our a church like faith here, where we have like your mom and dad, yeah, your dad serving exactly. on, with part of our leadership, and then you're here uh, or you're you're under him, and then you're raising your children, and so you got three generations yeah. in that. Now we are seeing more and more first generation stuff mm-hmm. too, yeah, but still have a very good foundation in those who are passing down the truths and training up their children Absolutely. in the things of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so transition to this, with the family unit, which we see, we believe that through the LGBTQ community, and then also just the further our school systems, the further the world, the further. Uh, the media, the lack of sound Bible teaching, we see that we believe that the foundation of a culture is going to be its families, right? Yes. And so we're seeing the family continue to be weakened in America, whether it's God's distinction of male and female, uh, God, uh, biologically and functionally. 
or we see it just in respect for authority. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, we, we believe that God has brought authority in your li- our lives. We talked about that, the authority of government, the authority of mom and dad, the authority of educators, but the ultimate authority, God's word that we submit to. Absolutely. So we're seeing a deterioration in the family unit, we believe, here in America. Uh, what is the family unit like in London? Is it similar to this? Because you're going to have a, a mm-hmm. be able to see it on both sides. Or is it, what would you say that you see predominantly in London there? Yeah, I see similar. I mean, you, the LGBTQ, everything, whatever they add, added to it, um, is strong there. It's okay. strong and, and it is interesting. Post-COVID, you see more of it blatantly in front of you. It was already somewhat blatantly in front of you, but now you see more of it of um, the, um, what do we call them? same-sex relationship stuff so um, yeah if, if you see the distinction between that and then you were to go into the church you go into Grace Life London we have a lot of families and we praise God for that it's kind of like here right you praise God for those families um, and for children young families with children like and that's a structure that's somewhat weird for people I mean people come in and they're like oh whoa, <laughs> I don't see this, around. you know, I don't, I don't see this other places. People have, it, it, it's, it took some adjusting for uh, Dana and I, my wife Dana and I, because people say partner, they don't say husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, oh, this is my partner. The first one I was hearing now, I'm thinking, your partner, do y'all own a business together or what? Right. <laughs> but they just mean, I'm in a, some kind of relationship with them and you don't, you really don't know until you ask them, like, so what do you mean? Okay, is this your wife? Is this your husband? Um, but that's just how it is. Oh, this is my partner. It doesn't really matter if this is my wife or husband. We live together. We, you know, and obviously it's not a lot of So much a racing marriage. Would you get to that? Or you see that it's just, just diminishing? Just di- di- diminishing. It doesn't, almost like it, it doesn't matter, basically. Um, you know, people say, well, as long as we love each other, we don't need a ring to, you know, mm, that kind of okay. stuff. So, to, you know, it's, and once again, that's how the church just makes a clear stance, not because, not just getting up and saying Christ is Lord, is that people just look at your family in the same way. That's a, a husband who loves his wife and a wife who submits to her husband and children who obey their parents and they hold them accountable and they love them and they care, you know, and it's just like, well, this is weird. Mm. <laughs> you know, us, I mean, me growing up, that was the norm, right? Right. Somewhat the norm. So, you know, to see that, and um, it's just a big blessing just to have a, a church like that. I mean, we, we could have 80 to 90 children on a Sunday. Wow. In our, Your church is predominantly young, right? That's what I it's, it's understand. younger, yeah, it's more, and post-COVID, it's actually, we've had older and older people coming as well. But that was, that was one of our prayers is, Lord, we, we do need people for these younger people to look to, of like, okay, this is what an older Christian is like. Um, but a lot of them being younger is because the Lord, you know, these people who are older, who are just setting their ways and won't do anything different. But the Lord is saving their children and bringing them out of that. And then they won't. And they come and say, we don't know what this should look like, but we're happy to learn. And that's been a big blessing to us. I like something you touched on. You talked about you, y'all, your pastoral staff specifically prayed that God would bring you some older Christians, maybe more mature, or that we're able to have the younger families look at to disciple. And that's one of the areas here. 
at faith, we've never said, hey, let's just become a younger church or an older church, but let's become a Titus II model church that allows us to have, and what was uh, some older people that are able to show the godly example, almost like how Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I are similar in age. I'm 40 years younger than me. Yeah, Yeah, hold on to those 30s as long as you can, right? I'm 40, so you're a couple years younger than (laughs) me. But anyway, that uh, we have, I have three children. Uh, you have two small children, and here within that realm, to be able to have people that model out, not just we're blessed. Both of us are blessed. You have a mom and dad, uh, and, and uh, four uh, four of you guys, uh, as far as your brothers, and that have been together and uh, very much a, a sound uh, Bible teaching home raised up. I have been blessed in that as well. A lot of people don't have that. Uh, but my point is to have those godly examples. Even I saw this in my Sunday school class. We originally were targeting young families, and then we had some older families come in. And guess what happened? The young families loved having them to be able to speak in their groups. I was saying, yeah, hey, guess what? You're going to have some really bad days in parenting, yeah. okay? Uh, you're going to have yeah. some challenges. You and your wife are going to have to battle through some conflict. Here's what's going to happen. And to be able to speak to that, but keep Christ at the centerpiece. Keep this at the foundation. Uh, and so uh, there's going to be times you feel like a flop. That doesn't mean quit. That means, hey, this is Satan's going to attack you on every front. And I think that's really important to be able to have that model with that as well. Oh, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to see other couples where you are as far as, oh, they have, you know, you and I, mm-hmm. kids. Your kids are a little older mm-hmm. than mine, but still younger kids. Um, and sometimes you can feel like, is anyone else struggling like I'm struggling? Is anyone mm. else dealing with teenagers or toddlers or and to have an older couple say I remember that stage you know and I wish I had done this different hey think about this I mean, that's that goes a long way for us to say to hear someone say that and you know especially for people who didn't have parents like that I mean we could say thank the Lord that we have parents that we can look back and not that they did everything perfectly no but we can say yeah but I do remember this and they did this and I feel the effect of that in a good way today. Um, but a lot of people don't have that. They didn't have that. They were in a single-parent home or their parents got divorced or whatever, um, and they just didn't see that structure. And so now they're saying, what does this look like? And so to have an older, you know, to say, oh, good, I can go into their home I can talk to them and say, hey, did you ever go through this? Yeah, actually, I did go through this, and uh, this is how I handled it. Um, this is how, you know, I saw in the Bible that this was the right way to do this. Um, and, I, you know, maybe they have, obviously, they've seen things from other couples and stuff. So that goes a long way. It, it does, and I, w- I would encourage people to seek that out and look at them. I remember being in a conference. <laughs> we had a conference, and we had Paul Washer there. Okay. And uh, it was a Q&A, and someone asked the question about, oh, what if you didn't grow up in a, in a godly home and you didn't see what a godly husband is like and a, and a godly wife is like, and, oh, how do you, you know, deal with that? And he, <laughs> he said, no uncertain words. I'm tired of all the excuses. Like, right. you're, you're in a church. You have godly couples around you. Okay, you didn't see it growing up. Then look around you. You know, attach yourself to these older people and say, Hey, we need help. And you're going to find that no family's perfect, no church is perfect, but I think the church plays an even greater role of modeling this as culture has less of this, right? Absolutely. As culture has less of this, as we have less men that are 
or sound godly men. Less women loving their husbands, yeah. seeking to raise yeah. their children up in the things of the Lord. Less of that, the church is going to look radical, right? It's not. Yeah. We're going to look on the radical side, and it's going to be more of an opportunity for us to model that, and more of a responsibility even uh, in that as well. And if I, I just say, look, we have to be, we have to be comfortable looking different. As Christian, and if you're not comfortable with that, you have to deal with your own heart. That why am I so? In, look, I, I'm a Christian in a fallen world with unbelievers all around me. I'm gonna look different. Mm. Bibles, it's just shaping my mind and shaping my life, and I need to I need to be okay with that and realize, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna make people say, well, why in the world would you do that? And then you can say, well, let me tell you why, mm-hmm. right? Because Christ is everything to me. He has changed my life, um, and I, I, I need to follow him as Lord, and I get supreme joy out of living for his glory. You know? I, I think that's so important. And then you also said, uh, I just read this. One commentary put, if we have the smile of the world, mm-hmm. we probably don't have the smile of God. That's true, and yeah. and you know, and God tells us to come out and be separate and be different, and yet mm-hmm. to impact the world. So, Adam, in a final question, I have: What is one challenge and one area that we can pray for you on the mission field? Say, so, hey, this would be number one for me. Uh, one of the probably the greatest challenges that I have, and one of area that we can pray for you on the mission field. Yeah, I think any any. Um any missionary away from their family, you know, that's always going to be a challenge. Um, and it's not every day you're sitting there, oh, I just want to get home. But it's, you know, oh, it's there, something happens, right? Oh, this person's sick, or, um, oh, we all got together for this, but you realize, well, I can't go back for that, mm-hmm. right? I don't go back till another year or two. So, you know, you, you have to manage that. Um, and that's okay. You have your church family, and they, you know, we, we're so blessed that the, the people at Grace Life um, love us, and they um, have certainly brought us in as part of the family, right? That it, it is a family. Um, and so we're thankful for that. Um, but it doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, those challenges of being away from home. Um, so, I mean, I think every, every missionary would deal with that. Um, obviously, we have young children, and so wanting them to be, um, yeah, raised in the fear of the Lord, that's that's what we want to do, and uh, we seek to do that. Like we just said, you're you're gonna fail, and you have to repent before God. Sometimes you have to ask forgiveness to your children, and mm. um, but you just yeah, that I, I think praying that as I, as I tell uh, my wife Dana. You know, if if home is okay, it doesn't matter what happens. It matters what happens at church, but the whole congregation could turn against me. But if I can go home and there's mm-hmm. peace there, okay, okay, you know. But if everything's okay at the church and things are not okay at home, then it's just a, a it just weighs on you. No, I, I praise the Lord that things are okay at home. I don't say this to say, <laughs> but just pray that things stay that way. You know that we continue to grow as a family. Um, my wife and I that we just 
make sure that we are the priority, you know, the priority is our marriage, that we're growing together, that we're checking on each other, how we're doing in our relationship with the Lord, that we're pouring into each other, and then that we are making sure that's pouring out on our own children. And your wife, uh, Michael, missionary in Brazil, and then just talking with some of our missionaries that we have that have come back. We had a family here that was a missionary for over 20-some years in Africa. Mm-hmm. Little things of not having your family around for your birthday, yeah. not having around your family around for your kids' birthdays, or are they even thinking about me in certain things? And yeah. so your wife can get lonely in that. You can. And so... Uh, Two areas, then I'm hearing you pray. Hey, pray for, keep my family lifted up in prayer that uh, we'll continue to be grounded in the Lord uh, and and just growing with each other. Absolutely. And then uh, the second area is just that during those times that you're you're missing your family, homesick, really, I guess it will be the way that, that God will help fill that void and His peace and presence will be in that. Yeah, yeah. And once again, it's not every day. I don't sure. wake up every day kind of like, oh, I wish I... No, most days you don't... You just think, oh, my wife and kids are here. This is what I need to do. Let's go. But it's just, a, you know, every once in a while, something will happen. Oh, this person's not well. Oh, I'd like to be there to, visit, mm. you know, to be there with them. Uh, you realize, okay, this is not the time. I need to be praying for them. I can call them. But I need to stay focused on the Word. So I say, I know you said one, but the other thing is just the, the work at, you know, the work that the Lord has given me that I will um, have clear clear focus on that and devotion to that. that I'll give myself to what he's given me. Um, so not just, I mean, family first, obviously, but then it's like, okay, uh, the Lord has given me a particular work and um, I thank him for it. It's a blessing to be there and to serve him as, as we've had the opportunity to do for seven years. But yeah, just that I will just pour out my life for that, for that reason, um, to serve Him and whatever He gives me, and be um, all in, all into that. Amen. Well, Adam, I appreciate you joining us on the Faith Life Podcast. Looking forward to having uh, you speak for us this weekend, and we'll just continue to lift you up in prayer. So, thank you for being a part, brother. Thank you. <laughs>